Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, it's Stefan Georgia here. Before we get started, I want to announce the winners of the contest I was doing to get a free copy of my copywriting course, the RMBC Method. Thank you to everybody who was sharing the launch of this podcast, The Road to a Billion, with friends and family, posting on Facebook and Instagram, tagging me, all of the love that you've given really means a ton to me. I'm so appreciative about it. We had a lot of people entered and shared and helped to make the launch a success. As far as who the winners are for the giveaway of a free copy of the RPC method, there are three people. Pick them at at random. Use like a random name picker thing online. And so the three were are Liz Green, aka Liz Green Copywriter, Deborah Faramond, which is awesome. Deborah, like I love when you email me and you're part of Justin and stuff and talk copy and you were just for sharing some really cool stuff with me today about some wins you've gotten and everything. So really happy to see that you were one of the people who won. And Shura Raghav, which is awesome because Shura is 16 years old. He's in India. He, I first met him on a Road to a Billion episode. He called in. So you'll hear him on the podcast and just stoked that he gets a copy too. Liz, I feel like we're not as connected. Uh, we need to connect. Well, you responded to some of my emails. So I, I, I value you a ton. I just didn't have as much immediately to say about you, but you're Super important to me too, Liz. Anyway, the three winners, Liz Green, Deborah Ferriman, and Shura. Thank you so much. Really appreciate everybody. And then for Liz, Deborah, and Shura, I will reach out to you, or my team will reach out to you to get you access to the RBC method so you get your copy of it. Thanks so much. Hey, podcast listeners. Today we dive into the right questions to ask your clients to position yourself for success when you're first starting out, the doing the math for your client strategy to charge your dream rate, and the easiest ways to find high-quality clients when you're first starting out as a freelancer. Enjoy. Christopher Ogle, back again. Nice. He goes, hey, Stefan, my question for the week, what factors go into how you value yourself to clients and new clients? Uh, How did you... Or did you have a process to determine your rate in the early stages? And what elements went into deciding that? Is it a logical process, intuitive, both, or is there a formula? Cool. Great question. How how are you doing, Christopher? Hey, really well. Thanks, Stefan, Ned. Good to be back. Thanks uh, for all the value so far on this call as well. It's brilliant. Yeah, thank you for for being here. Are you in the middle of uh, family time right now? No, it's about <laughs> seven minutes and about seven o'clock is when the little one needs to be, needs to be fed and then uh, put down. So it's, um, that's why I'm very, very grateful that um, Ed and Sean let me slip in. So cool. yeah, I'll uh, get, get through this one because I did send you an email about this one yesterday for your YouTube videos, but I think there's a, a few people who might 
get some value from this question as well. And you know what, in the beginning of this call, you really did answer a lot of it in your mindset section about not being a perfectionist. And it does answer a lot of the question, but I suppose in my specific example, it's because of the time sensitivity of the situation that we're in and, you know, the COVID kind of wiped out the majority of my business and I switched to copywriting. So I've been writing for a number of years, but not professionally. So I kind of went back to basics, went on Upwork and that sort of stuff. But now that I've got a couple of clients, I'm starting to get confident in that professionalism sort of, sort of part of it and actually running it as a business. I kind of feel like, how do you then go from, let's say doing, you know, $30 an hour on Upwork to actually charging really good rates. And there, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what goes into that. Like, would you, would you, if you were in my position, would you say, okay, I'm going to make an investment decision to actually go into RNBC because then I can use RNBC as a tool to say to potential clients that, you know, my value should be higher because I actually study the number one copywriters course, so to speak. Like what, how would you find ways to increase your value besides the actual results that you get from clients? I suppose that's kind of my, my question. Yes. Yeah, it's that's a, that's a great question, Christopher. So the way a couple, a couple of thoughts come to mind. One is the way I would look at it from like a charging perspective is figuring out what your hour, hourly rate should be or what you want it to be. Right. So like, for example, say you're like my, my, my rate is like a hundred dollars an hour. I think I'm worth a hundred dollars per hour. And then you look at it that way and you figure for a project, like say for a long form sales letter, you think it's going to take you 40 hours to write it. And you're like, okay, so I charge $4,000 for a long form sales letter. So that's a way to kind of figure out a good ballpark of like what to charge people. So I want to like share that component of it. It's really actually very valuable. I, you know, I, if you look at, say I charge 50,000 for a sales letter and I'm like, all right, well, my hourly rate is like $5,000 and I think I can write it in 10 hours. That's not true. I probably can't write in 10 hours. So really I'm probably looking at my hourly rate there being $2,500 and I'm kind of undercharging at $50,000, which is sort of one of the reasons why I'm not taking on much new client work or new sales letters right now. Cause I can do other activities that actually generate more for me. Um, but again, super advanced, very lucky, all of that, but, it, but whether mm. that's, it's a hundred dollars an hour, $50 an hour, whatever it is, it's kind of like, that's a good way to figure out what you're quoting. Um, and then, the other part as far as positioning goes, and this is something I've, I've talked about a bit previously as well, and I think it's really important, is doing the math for the clients, right? And have you, have you heard me talk about this before, Christopher? I haven't actually. So this is really okay. interesting. Yeah. Cool. So the way I look at that, I'll give you an example that's like a, a big numbers example, but you can apply this exact same thing to uh, anything. So say someone is going to hire me for $50,000 to write a, a sales letter. Uh, you know, if I'm talking to them and they're sometimes like, again, because of reputation, all that people just sort of email me and say, Hey, I want you to write me something and whatever is great. Uh, it takes time to get to that place. Awesome. Once you get there. Uh, but if somebody comes in who maybe, uh, you know, doesn't know anything about you and which happens to me from time to time too. Right. And I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna charge $50,000. So first of all, I would make sure they actually, by, by asking them questions about their business, you know, how many sales per day are you doing? What's your average order value? If they answer those questions, right, then I know, say they say I'm doing 200 sales a day. My average order value is $200. I'm like, all right, cool. So they're grossing 
$40,000 a day, 30 days in a month. They're making grossing $1.2 million a month in revenue. They're running to, you know, over 12 million a year in annual revenue. They can afford $50,000. So uh, I'm asking those questions to kind of get a feel for if they can actually afford me. Um, earlier on, right, depending on what you're charging, that may not be as important, but I do want to kind of share that, that part. But then if I'm talking to them and I'm, I'm kind of going through and I'm adding value, I'm being a, a I'm doing a consultative uh, selling approach, right? Where I'm going through what they have. I'm giving them pointers. I'm giving them advice. I'm giving them value for free, doing all this kinds of like really important stuff. And I'm doing that with the mentality that if I just give them a bunch of value and they don't hire me, no problem. Their life is you know better and I've, I made a positive impact for them. But then when it comes time to actually quote them, I'll be like, all right, so, you know, my rate is, $50,000. And you may think that's a lot of money. You may think that's about right and what you expected. Maybe you think I'm undercharging. I honestly don't know. But let me kind of explain why I charge what I do and why people are so happy to pay it and why you know they do consistently. Right. So you're saying that you are doing uh, your average offer can, can you know, make about $200 per sale. Right. They're like, yeah. And is it fair to say that probably your profit margin is at least 20%? Yeah, it's, that's about fair to say. Okay, cool. Um, and so you're doing like right now a million dollars a month, give or take, right? Like, yeah, a little bit more. Okay. Awesome. Cool. So then you're netting about $200,000 a month, right? Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, when you hire me, if you're going to pay me $50,000, you're doing this because you're expecting that I'm going to write something for you. That's going to gross at least a million dollars. Like, right. Yeah, totally. They're not, you know, if you're not expecting that, then I'm not the right person for you. I've got tons of people I can refer to you. Uh, totally all good. But I'm guessing you're expecting that this will gross at least a million dollars, correct? Yes. Perfect. Okay. So given that, we know that your net profit margin is going to be about 20%. That means on a million dollars, your net profit is going to be about $200,000. You're paying me 50,000. And the reason you're paying me the 50,000 is because you know that with me and my track record and my experience, there's a very good chance that we'll actually create something that grosses a million dollars and brings you back 200,000. So a 4X ROI on what you pay me. There's other people who charge lots of money, but they just don't have the track record or the experience I do. They don't have the knowledge, the expertise. We've already been talking. I've shown you all these things that you could be doing right now that you're not doing. So I really get this, whereas other people don't. And that's you know kind of why I'm able to charge what I charge. But the other really important thing to think about is like, we aren't really going after this for a million dollars, right? Like that, that's, that would be fine. But like really, you know, your, your funnel right now is doing 10, over 10 million a year. And like, I think I'm sure you probably really want something that has a chance to, to do 10 million too, right? If, so say we could do 10 million in revenue from this, what I'm writing for you, that would be instead of, uh, you know, 200,000, that'd be 2 million in net profit. So now if you pay me $50,000, you're actually getting a 40 X ROI and that's just pure profit. And then that doesn't include the, you know, yeah. emails, the data monetization, all these other things. So of course that doesn't mean every single thing I write is going to be a home run blockbuster. But if you look at my experience and my knowledge and, you know, what I've demonstrated to you already, like you have a higher chance of achieving that by hiring me than somebody else. And that's why I charge $50,000. Does that make sense to you? And um, now that's a bunch of money, but you could do the same thing with, with like an email where you're like, Hey, I'm going to charge a hundred. I charge a hundred dollars per email. And maybe that sounds like a lot. There's other people on Upwork who charge $20 an email or $30 an email. But what do you really, what's the point of this email? Right? Like, well, I'm hoping to promote this thing. Okay, cool. How much, um, you know, what's the revenue goal for you? Well, I'm hoping that it's going to gross $40,000 in the next year. Awesome. Cool. And then what do you think your profit margin is going to be? I, I think it's 50%. Okay, cool. $20,000 is what your profit would be. Awesome. So you're paying me a hundred dollars for an email. Maybe you're gonna hire me for five. That's $500. 
uh, for the chance to get $20,000 in profit. Um, and like that's, and again, there's other people out there, but you've seen my track record. I've studied from the best copywriters in the world. I'm writing actively. I'm having wins for clients consistently. And that's why you should hire me and not somebody else. Brilliant. I think this, that high level conversation where you're actually showing the client that you are concentrated on their profits and building a long-term relationship is, you know, just from having a sales background, that is really the most powerful thing you can possibly do. So seeing it from this angle and, and from your experience as a copywriter is, uh, is absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much for that. And I know track record is really, really important. So, you know, being in the early stages, if you don't have that track record of showing how you move the needle on conversions or how much revenue you actually generated for someone, then I suppose it comes back to doing Justin and your approach of writing a sales letter for someone to get that quickest possible route to getting those results. Would that be fair to say? So you have that backup when you're talking with the next level of client, if I explain that correctly. Yeah, I think that that is, is fair, a fair way of looking at it. And I think, you know, if you are getting clients, so I, you, you can kind of take the same approach and just sound really confident and be like, you know, like I've written for XYZ and they've loved the results and this person, they've loved the results and you can kind of keep it a little yeah. blinder and a little more broad. Um, so yeah. I don't think you have to have like a crazy track record. I think you can just sort of talk about how, you know, oh, I've been doing this for other people and they're loving what's happening as well. Um, I, you know, so I think you can kind of do that and, and you don't have to worry too much about having some crazy laundry list of accomplishments. Yep. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll jump off, but really that was, that was amazing. That really helped to answer. And, you know, I think for, for your YouTube channel, putting something together like this on exactly what you just shared would be super valuable for a lot of people out there. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Good man. Next up, we have uh, Peter Tsemis. He asks, what are some of the best ways to find good quality clients when you're first starting out as a freelancer? And before you answer, I want to say join RMBC. All right, go ahead, Peter. Hey, Peter. How's it going? Good. How are you, Stephen? Good, good man. I'm already in RMBC anyways. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you've kind of answered this question already, but i um, wondering if you just go deeper on that. Um, I'm blessed enough to not have to worry about kind of the money too much, but I really kind of want to develop the skills. I really do love the whole copy aspect. Um, so how can I kind of get my name out there and kind of start finding clients that are not only that are good to work for, but that'll actually test my shit, you know? Right. Yeah. That's super, super important. I mean, you know, there's the kind of the, the free sending them something for free strategy, which I've talked about before and uh, I'm sure you've heard it. And I, I think that is one option. It does work. I've, I've heard, and I, I brought this up previously. You know what I'm talking about, right, Peter? With the kind of, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I've heard some people who've come back to me and been like, hey, I, I tried it with four people and nobody responded yet. I'm kind of disappointed. And it's like, it doesn't work like every single time. But I also hear from people every week who do that and, and get, get jobs with clients doing it that way. Um, I think another really good strategy, and for people who are going to watch and don't know what I'm talking about, if you watch the first episode of uh, this show, we talked about it on that. But um, yeah, I think another thing is honestly for getting your name out there is posting a lot, like posting, um, being involved, being active, like, you know, talking in Facebook groups, talking in, um, yeah, like, like, and adding value and content. I, oh, I see this happen like in, in Justin and Stefan talk copy, which is our Facebook group, Justin and I, where someone comes in and 
creates a lot of value with like one post maybe. Uh, and it feels a little bit manufactured, but you're like, yeah, there's some good value there. But then they don't follow it up versus somebody like Christopher Ogle, who I think got off this call, but asked that question. He posted like, he's posted several times, I think four or five or six times now and continually putting out kind of value in that group. And then he got on like my radar because of that. Right. And I'm like, oh wow, this Christopher guy keeps posting. People are engaging, interacting with it. Like that's really cool. And then now he's on the you know call and, and, and stuff. So, uh, I think that's, and obviously Ed, you do a really good job of doing that. You, you started really just a couple months ago, I don't know, two months ago, putting more of your content out and things like that. And yeah, how's, how, how's that gone for you so far? It's gone really well, actually. Um, you know, consistently putting out content, especially in front of the right audience has <clears throat> definitely, well, think about it, right? Like even Stefan just referred to me as like, you know, earlier, if you, if you guys are, you know, new on here or just tuned in, um, the, like the compliance guy, the compliance guru, I hate that word, but, um, and it's like, that's because I deliver a lot of value in my posts. So when the, the trick to it is delivering value in such a way, it's kind of like, and this is like a mechanism working on for one of my clients, which is kind of cool to talk about it. Um, it's kind of like when we go to the food court and there's so many options, right. And then you know, maybe you see, oh, Panda Express, right? And they're giving out samples. And you're like, actually, you know what? Let me, let me go for that. And then you try it. It's like, oh, this is pretty good. But I'm not in the mood for this today. And then come back to the food court the next day, next day, next day, next day. Until eventually it's like, hey, you know what? And yes, Panda Express is incredible. Um, <laughs> and then you go, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm thinking about getting Asian food. First thing you think about is Panda Express, right? So similar to the way that you position yourself in your content, at least the way that I've done it is I give out so much value for free with uh, just my Facebook posts that like, just like uh, who was in the chat just said it. Um, John Caprani says when anyone mentions Facebook compliance to him now, the first thing he thinks of is me apparently, uh, which is thank you. I appreciate that. It means they worked. <laughs> so how can you position yourself differently just through your content alone? So when you can have the right message with the right offer in front of the right audience, it's killer. Just keep putting out content. Just keep, uh, you know, delivering value to people who are going to find your stuff valuable because not everyone's going to find it valuable. That's why you got to get really clear on who you want to talk to and then keep your message to that. Peter, one thing I want to I want to add, and Ed, that was amazing. Um, is it could probably it helps if you kind of find a specific niche or category that you really want to take ownership of. So Ed is kind of taking ownership of compliance, which is funny because I could back up what what John says, but I you know before like we have a you know a whole like uh, partnership with a compliance kind of group of uh, Facebook advertisers and copy accelerator and they do a biweekly call. And prior to, uh, you know, Ed deciding to come out as a compliance guy, I would have probably referred people to them. But then Ed started posting and, and I know he actually knows what he's talking about, which is important, right? And, and he's posting content and all that. So now my first person is like, I think about Ed too. And I'd refer people to Ed because he's put himself out there as that person. And now, now I refer to him. If you look at what like Ian Stanley did, Ian Stanley, sure he does lots of other stuff, but he really was like the email guy right? He's, you want to know how to write good emails and make money from your list and all that. Ian Stanley is that guy. 
if you look at me, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm a lot of things now today as well, but really it was like, I'm the best health supplement, you know, VSL sales letter. So you want to do a health supplement offer, you know, I'm the person you talk to. So I think that that's kind of an important point as well is, 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 is there something that you can sort of take ownership of? Like a Troy Erickson kind of took ownership of uh, deliverability and email list management, things like that. And I have, now I have Troy on retainer. Um, but just a bunch of examples. So is there something like, you know, Peter, that you think maybe you can kind of a niche you could carve out? Um, I do love like stories, um, and kind of that story aspect and really building out not just a nightmare story, but a hero story and the whole journey through a sales page. Um, yeah. Yeah. That kind of aspect. I know it's a little bit broad, but. But it's not, I mean, I think people struggle with finding good emotional stories to share in their copy. So yeah, I mean, I think there's probably space there to be like the emotional storytelling expert person. Like who, who owns that space, right? Chris Haddad is really well known, but he's not out teaching actively about emotional storytelling a lot. I don't think anybody really owns that space. So if you, and people are asking all the time, how do you come up with these stories? Uh, Roy for some people mentioned a few other people, but um, I, you know, I think that's a pretty cool space. So I would, yeah, I would play around with that and then just creating valuable content, posting it both in groups and on your own personal page. I don't know how many Facebook friends you have, but I would just add a shit ton of people and get to 5,000 friends or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then some more people are exposed. You can put it on LinkedIn too. Um, but I, I would just be doing that. Okay, cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Steph. Yeah. And Ed. Beautiful. Awesome. That was a really good question. That was. Dude, just the value in this freaking thing, man. Bailey, what if they're not my friend in real life? I don't care. I've, dude, I've, I have 5,000. I don't mean in a mean way. I, I have like 5,000 friends and I don't, like, not trying to sound cocky, but I haven't added, I very rarely add friends. Like, I just have people requesting it because I've put myself out there. And then I go through and actually have to delete people who aren't active so that there's space to add new people. And it's kind of a pain at that point. Um, but I'm never going to do that self-indulgent post where it's like, if we're not, you don't comment on my stuff. Like I'm unfriending you. Like, I, you know, I hate when people post that personally, uh, but it doesn't matter. Like, especially if you're marketing and, and anyone who adds me, if I see it's tough now that I have like 5,000 ish friends and I, cause that's the limit Facebook has. But up until recently, anybody who added me, if we had mutual friends, I'll go to their page. And if they were sort of seem like a normal person, I'll add them. Uh, pretty much every time, like, shut up, Ed, it's making fun of me here. It, it, it's kind of annoying. I wish I could, I wish there was a higher cap, but, um, wish I had less friends. Boo-hoo. No, I wish I, I wish I could have, no, I wish I could have more. I want to be friends with everybody. I want, I want 10,000 or 20,000 friends. Uh, but seriously, Bailey, it, it's, it's nobody, nobody, especially in our space, in our industry, like it's, it's kind of expected. Like Facebook is still a really powerful networking tool for people in our, our industry and in our space. And so, you know, you should be doing that. I, I told the same thing to Michael Roshin, who's in Copy Accelerator now and who I've kind of mentored and helped to, to come up. And um, he had been, he joined, he bought a ticket to Copy Accelerator, which our event, and he was really scared to do that. And it was a big investment for him. It was like $3,000. And he has, but he was also scared because he had imposter syndrome and a lot of fear. And so he had reached out to me about it and been like, hey, I really do have imposter syndrome and I really am scared and I have anxiety. And I said, hey man, let's get on a call. So we did, I got on a Zoom call with, with Michael before our event and I don't normally do that and I didn't know him and my intention was nothing but to just talk to this guy. Uh, so we got on a call and I kind of talked through and I kind of helped him to feel better and the kind of was like, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? What's the upside? What's the, what are the benefits to coming? And, you know, he decided based on that that he was going to buy a ticket. I do, I do do that. I got on Zoom calls with people randomly sometimes and never tell anybody about it and I, it, bandwidth is a challenge. Um, but... 
Yeah. So with Michael, fuck, I forgot I was going with this whole point though. Damn it. Um, like, okay. Ed, help me. I Where was I just? Friends. By the way, she was kidding. She oh, was, she was oh. being mean. She was kidding. Okay. I'm back. My point's back. So yeah. So then Michael bought, he bought a ticket, right? And then because he bought a ticket, he was put into the copy accelerator private Facebook group, which is just for our mastermind. But when you buy a ticket, we put you into this group so you can kind of sample copy accelerator out. And then it was like three weeks later and we were talking and I was like looking, I went, clicked on his profile and it was like two mutual friends. And I, like, I blasted him. I was like, Michael, like, what are you doing? How do we still have two mutual friends? So I was like, you need to go through the copy accelerator group right now and go through every person who's in the group and send them a friend request. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to keep refreshing until I see that we have at least 50 mutual friends. And he was kind of like, ha ha ha. I'm like, I'm, I'm dead serious. So he did it. And the next day we had like 70 mutual friends and then more. And then now if you've seen Michael, he's, you know, he's gone from not being able to put, get presents for his kids for Christmas to making over $10,000 a month. And he puts himself out there publicly and he's done all of that. But the point was, it was just like, yeah, you can't, you, sh- you add friends. It doesn't matter if you know them in real life or not. True. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.